Welcome to The Wiretap, episode 5. Today is March 7th, 2017, and this episode is happening. (laughs) I say that because last night we tried recording at our usual spot, and the entire recording didn't take, I think, like 13 minutes, and then the the computer crashed or something, and uh, producer Sam couldn't get it... uh, get it recovered. So I'm at my home and I'm actually recording this on GarageBand. It's like a pleasure for me to know that I can actually do this. But uh, this is Phil. I'm flying solo today. And this is just my conversation with you today. Last night, the episode had covered a lot of territory and I really wanted to get it out. I don't think there should be any excuse not to get it out. Um, uh, despite all odds of, of this not happening. For one, uh, well, Chad is actually going to be a part of the show. Uh, we never covered that, but he's going to be able to do it consistently. However, he's going through some family stuff, and that's all I want to say about it. Uh, keep him in your thoughts and prayers. I don't want to go into any details about it, but uh, he's going to be back. He's going to be more consistent uh, on the show. Nicole had showed up again to help out last night, and... Uh, thanks to her for, for coming on again. And thanks for Sam for all, all that you, you tried to do, but you know, it was technical difficulties. I don't want to go into the details of it, but here I am recording at my home and <clears throat> there's a lot of uh, territory to cover. Uh, you, ha- if you think you're having a bad couple of weeks, imagine if you're Jeff Sessions, uh, The Washington Post came out with a story last week that Jeff Sessions, attorney general under Trump, had perjured himself to Al Franken during his Senate hearings. This is from the Washington Post. You can tell how much trouble a Washington politician is in by how forcefully his or her allies push back by in the immediate aftermath of a bombshell negative story. By that measure, Attorney General Jeff Sessions is in big, big trouble. In the 12-ish hours since the Post published a story that details two conversations Sessions had with the Russian ambassador to the United States, discussions that run directly counter to statements the then-Alabama senator made during his confirmation hearings, the defense of Sessions has been weak, and that's being kind. When you're attorney general of the United States of America and you consciously perjure yourself, the bottom line here is it has to be for a good reason. If the conversation was benign, if it wasn't harmful, he would have just said, okay, well, yeah, I spoke to a bunch of people from different countries. Yeah, I spoke to Russia. It's been documented. Usually they have a witness around. The very fact that he didn't he wasn't forthcoming with that information means that it was a conversation he should not have had. He's attorney general and he perjured himself. Think about the implications of that. So everybody on the democratic side wanted him to resign. And even the Republicans said at the very least, Jeff Sessions has to recuse himself, which means take him out. Uh, I had to look this up when I said, is it rescue himself? No, it's recuse himself of any investigation involving Russia, which makes sense. There's You're too close to the story. Donald Trump didn't want him to do either of those things. He didn't want him to resign. He didn't want him to recuse himself. 
right after Donald Trump said that he didn't want Jeff Sessions to do any of those things, Jeff Sessions recused himself, meaning he took himself out of any future investigations. Seems like not even the measure, the, the minimum amount. He really ought to resign after you, you've perjured yourself. But Donald Trump went ballistic. So being the mature individual that our president is, Saturday, he unloaded a tweet storm about being wiretapped by Obama at Trump Tower. Yes, Donald Trump claimed that President Obama wiretapped him at Trump Tower. Now, I'm glad that uh, we got a shout out from from the president. Apparently, he's he's listening in. Uh, thanks for listening, Donald. The the implication here that he was wiretapped, he stated no basis of fact. Basically, he got this information from his two main news sources, Fox News and Breitbart. Breitbart had an article saying that, in, in general, that Obama had these covert operations going on, investigating all citizens, but he narrowed it down to Trump Tower was wiretapped. Nobody believes this, not even the Department of Justice. So this is just sheer distraction. Everybody has to know at this point that none of this is true, and this is his modus operandi. When things, when the narrative is not going his way, he simply changes the narrative. Imagine you were playing chess with a player who's losing, and he had the option at any point to just flip the board, and you had to take it and start the game over. Okay, oh no, th those pieces were, were over here. Uh, I had taken your rook. That's what's going on right now. Anytime things aren't going his way, he'll simply throw out an outlandish claim. People will eat it up, and the news media will pursue that. And his base, his supporters, will believe him, no matter what it says. So it doesn't even matter if the wiretapping happened or didn't happen. By the way, it didn't happen. This isn't a 1970s spy novel. Okay, this isn't Watergate. Technology has changed. I, we named the podcast The Wiretap just be, as a tongue-in-cheek sort of joke. If you look at the logo that uh, my friend Jasmine made, there's a little line connecting two different letters, and it's just kind of kitschy. It's kind of it's cheeky. But uh, he actually thinks, this is his mindset, he actually thinks that that kind of stuff happens. Um and it's it's wild. There's no basis for truth. And even people who are Republican, like Republicans don't want to have to defend what he what he's saying because everybody knows it's BS. He, even he knows it's BS. But you got to say that he is a master manipulator. And and the term uh, and we looked this up last night. It's misdirection. It's what magicians use to take your attention away from something and to bring it on to something else. So hold the line. Keep investigating the Russian situation. The whole wiretapping of Trump Tower is a complete lie. It didn't happen. There's no evidence for it. Hold the line. And we can, we can thank the Washington Post. We can thank the New York Times 
for holding the line and keeping the narrative on point. So he's in trouble. We're just, it's just a matter of time. I, I, I was thinking about starting a betting pool. Maybe we should do that, listener. If you want to start a betting pool, when is it going to be? Uh, Chad said, thinks it's August when he's going to get impeached. I'm thinking May. Uh, the whole episode that we were going to record was actually about a completely different topic, but it's important and it's relevant compared to what's happening right now. It's So once Trump's outed, once the other side wins, what's that other side going to be? Is it going to be the Democratic Party? Uh, we have to, and if you call yourself a Democrat and you're 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 a listener, I think we have some so, you have some soul searching to do. I consider myself a moderate, lean who leans a little left. Chad is a dyed in the wool Democrat. Um, I know many people who are Republicans. I don't know any hardcore right wingers. I know people who are moderate right. Um, and in fact, most of my friends, I think, are are on that uh, spectrum. But the fact that we have a two-party system, that's nowhere in the Constitution. That's nowhere in, in the literature of the fabric of our nation that we need to have just two parties. If you look at other countries, there's, there's a Labor Party, there's the Green Party, and they, they each have a voice. So the fact that we have two major parties and the only chance you have of getting elected is to be part of one of those two parties... It's a broken system. Obviously, it's broken because Donald Trump is the president. Try to wrap your mind around it. It's still hard for me. <laughs> Donald Trump is still the president. This is from a little blog I wrote, and I wanted to read it out loud to you. More and more, it is becoming clear that our two-party system is a failure and is in complete collapse. Republicans in Congress are dragging their feet to investigate President Trump's ties to Russia. By the way, that could be changing very soon. The Democrats are scrambling to make sense of what went wrong with the failed presidential bid of Hillary Clinton. The forensic analysis on the part of the Democratic Party will be essential to success in 2018 and 2020. Now, if you've been keeping up with the news... Tom Perez, former labor secretary under Obama, is now DNC chair. And I'm going to break it down for you. That's not a sign that the Democratic Party has learned any lessons from the last election. Let's talk about the facts. Let's do some soul searching here. Hillary Clinton was not a strong candidate. Now, I, I will, I'm fully on board with thinking that Clinton was capable She's intelligent, prepared for the job. We would be in a way better state. I mean, I would rather have uh, John Kasich as president. I'd rather have Mitt Romney as president. I'd rather have, I can't even believe I'm saying it, Ted Cruz, because you could at least fight him on some basis of an ideology where Trump is just chaos. Now, all signs would have pointed to Clinton being a fine president. The problem was in her likability and in the fierce opposition that followed her everywhere she went. The Benghazi incident and her email improprieties were the central focus of the GOP hit job on her. I'm not saying they were good arguments, but there was so much baggage and so much opposition to her based upon the hit job that happened. 
More importantly, her ties to Wall Street and the traditions of DC cronyism made her toxic to wide swaths of voters in the middle of America. You have to consider that an election is not just like a job interview for a corporation, in which case Hillary would have been highly qualified. She would have gotten the job. People vote based on their gut, and there was an element of untrustworthiness in Clinton on the campaign trail. Trump was no more trustworthy, but he had a skill of whipping up his support base into a fury. If you ever look at Clinton, like trying to rile people up, you're just, you kind of feel, I mean, this me personally, I kind of feel bad for her because she's so out of her element. She's trying hard to do something that doesn't come naturally to her. If you look at Trump, he's in his element in front of a crowd. He won't, there's no bottom for Trump. He'll go as low as it takes to get a reaction. And Hillary Clinton had this very uh, narrow uh, wave of, of, of emotional content of places, things she's willing to say versus what she's not willing to say. Trump will say anything and take the hits. You have to give him that kind of credit. You know, he's a bastard, but he's willing to say whatever it takes to get a dialogue going. Now, uh, Trump was no more trustworthy. I'm going to pick up again. But he had the skill of whipping up his support base into a fury, causing a momentum that led him into the White House. Try as she may, Clinton couldn't get her base to get nearly as excited and active as her more populous opponent. There were lots of diehard Hillary Clinton supporters. A lot of them I knew were, you know, liberal women who were on board from jump from the get go. But that's not most of the people I knew. Most of the people I knew were Bernie Sanders supporters. Bernie Sanders was the alternative. Uh, on, the, on the surface, even his opponents thought he was trustworthy, truly progressive, not mired in the corruption and scandals that surrounded Clinton. More importantly, he had the youth vote and a portion of Trump's constituent voter base that were tired of business as usual in Washington. I know of people who voted for Trump but would have voted for Bernie Sanders because they were just basically anti-establishment. Let's change things up. Okay, let's make sure that things don't go as usual. I believe that Sanders would have won against Trump. You can say what you want about that, but that's what I believe. But the DNC didn't think so. It was Clinton's turn. She was the heir apparent to Obama, and you had to buy in even if you didn't initially support her. This was the problem. Consider this. If you wanted Bernie Sanders to be president, then you had to change your vote to Clinton in order to block Trump, right? So your line of thinking is, okay, well, you know, Sanders didn't make it, so I got to switch over and like everything about Hillary Clinton. That's my job. That's what uh, Sam Harris had some really good podcasts about this, how, you know, clearly you can't vote for Trump because clearly, even though we are uh, voting for the status quo, for business as usual, a vote for Clinton is a vote if you want change. You're just kicking change as a kicking the can down the road for change. Trump means we need immediate change. That's at least how I see it. Trump supporters never had to do this. They never had to change. They had their guy all along. The DNC choose, chose to run an establishment candidate in an anti-establishment election. This is really important. Okay, people, everybody knows the emperor has no clothes. Everybody knows that the entire system is corrupt and they keep getting screwed over by the existing system. 
they have a responsibility in this and are in part culpable for the results. I'm talking about the Democratic Party. They failed. Okay, you lost to Donald Trump, a reality TV star. Okay, now you can say what you want, you know, to that, you know, we have she won the popular vote and we don't know how much Russia influenced the actual election, but the truth is it should not have even been close. To defeat Donald Trump and to fix the systemic problems that got him elected, you have to address the issues that got us here in the first place. A party that wants to overthrow Trump and current Republican majority in Congress has to chip away at their base. It also has to appeal to the true progressives and anti-establishment voter base that were enthusiastic Sanders supporters. A Democratic Party that decides to conduct business as usual will get the same results they got in the past, which is failure. Keith Ellison, now if you don't know who this person is, in, in, in episode one, uh, Chad asked me who I supported for DNC chair, and you know, not that I was all on board with the Democratic Party in general, but I thought Keith Ellison was a really great choice. In fact, to most people, he was the obvious choice. He's the first Muslim member of Congress with the backing of Bernie Sanders and Chuck Schumer. Ellison is the spirit of the progressive movement in the Democratic Party. Ellison had the guts to stand up to Wall Street, to not suck up to moneyed interests, and he also had the backing of tr the a true progressive movement. If you elect a Muslim to the DNC chair, think about how, how wild that is. You are drawing a line in the sand and outlining that there is a sea change in the Democratic Party. Now, Tom Perez, the guy who won, was the business-as-usual candidate. I'm getting a lot of this information from two articles written by Glenn Greenwald in The Intercept. By the way, you can look up those articles in the show notes. Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who was a DNC chair during the Clinton campaign, and had to resign in disgrace when WikiLeaks uncovered that Washington Schultz engaged in cheating in order to ensure that Hillary Clinton clinched the nomination. This is, you can say what you want about WikiLeaks, but they basically brought the cat out of the bag, and it did happen. She did put the chips in favor of Clinton winning the nomination. I don't think it would have been, I, I think that Bernie Sanders would have won, and the DNC establishment made sure that Clinton was the person in front. They figured that that was the sure bet. Didn't work out. Her punishment? Washerman Schultz was rewarded with a high position on the Clinton campaign. A true progressive has to literally ignore this fact and hold their nose at the blatant corruption. If you're a Bernie Sanders supporter and you witnessed this, it really turned you off because they didn't even hold her accountable. Let's talk about Wasserman Schultz's replacement. Donna Brazil was the interim chair after Wasserman Schultz. Brazil was caught giving CNN debate questions to the Clinton campaign. Then Brazil denied it and said the emails were forged by the Russians. We already have the Russians as a target in this entire thing, and you're using misinformation to basically sabotage ourselves and poison the waters so that we can't get anywhere with this just to save your reputation, Donna Brazil. Thanks a lot. We don't need you on our side. CNN fired Brazil and Jake Tapper denounced her. The next DNC chair nomination was an opportunity, an opportunity to change the blatant corruption 
recent history and the recent history of tipping the scales toward a candidate who was so unpopular that she lost to a reality TV star. Clinton won the popular vote, but you need to get over that. We have the Electoral College, and it's the system we use. It remains to be seen if Clinton lost the election due to Russian interference and to what degree that interference influenced the election. But it, like I said, it shouldn't have even been close. If you're the Democratic Party, the smartest thing you can do is to get as far away from Clinton as you can, just as the GOP did with Mitt Romney after 2012. You have to do a forensic analysis and see what didn't work. Now, let me tell you why Keith Ellison didn't win. This is the truth here. Ellison had one major opponent, and it wasn't Tom Perez. It was billionaire Haim Saban. Now, if you don't know that name, this is the guy behind the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. When you see that big logo, Saban, S-A-B-A-N. Well, that guy's the largest single funder of the Democratic Party and the Clinton campaign. Saban himself says that he's a single-issue voter. Saban's issue is Israel. When Ellison pointed out reasonable criticism of human rights abuses by Israel in the West Bank, Saban went so far as to call Ellison anti-Semitic. That's a steep claim. Okay, The Democratic Party does not want to piss off billionaire donors. Hence the endorsement by Barack Obama of Tom Perez to rival Ellison. The vote to keep things business as usual. Perez will not mention a word about human rights violations of Israel. You can go ahead and ask him. There was an interesting little soundbite that I heard of an interviewer asking Tom Perez about Israel human rights violations in the West Bank. And Tom Perez basically ignored it and walked right on by. He will, Perez will never condemn Netanyahu, and he will never cross his donors. Perez blurted out this bit of truth. This is from Tom Perez's mouth. Quote, We heard loudly and clearly yesterday from Bernie supporters that the process was rigged, and it was. And you've got to be honest about it. That's why we need a chair who is transparent. Unquote. By the way, this is right after Clinton clinched the nomination. Now, this was a bombshell because he actually told the truth and had to apologize for it. The reaction was very controversial amongst Clinton diehards. After his admission, he walked back to statements on Twitter. He proclaimed Hillary Clinton as the true and rightful winner. Transparency is fickle with Perez, apparently. This is the template that got Trump elected. This is a template that alienated voters in the 2016 election. Denouncing Donald Trump is not enough. That's like denouncing cancer. Of course, it's bad, but you have to be able to address Who's the surgeon? Who's going to remove it? You need worthy solutions that cut to the heart of the problem that got him elected. The Democratic Party seems determined to repeat its past mistakes. I think we need a third party. And I don't think there's a better time than right now. The first step to this idea that I have, and this is where I go off on my tangent here, people. Have a meeting with Bernie Sanders and John Kasich. I think the true Republican that should have won was John Kasich. Outline where they agree and base the party platform on their ideals. I imagine that the common ground could be these points. One, 
proper health care coverage for all. Two, job creation and an end to crippling trade deals. Three, and this is for our friends in the red states, common sense gun laws that protect law-abiding gun owners and limit the sale of firearms to unstable and at-risk individuals. Even my right-winger gun-owning friends think that this is a good idea. Four, an end to big-money corporate donors and corrupt crony capitalism. And on that note, also, a grassroots populist platform that puts the interests of the American people in front of the interests of corporations and lobbyists. In my honest opinion, a party that had that platform could not lose, and I don't think the Democrats have it. Let's face it, the Rust Belt will never vote blue. They're allergic to Democrats. They identify as Republicans. They identify as red. The Trump supporters who wanted to change things in Washington will soon realize that Trump will do none of the things that he promised, and they're going to look for another solution, though. They're, now, there are racists who voted for him, but we're not even talking about them. Okay, They're not populist enough to speak for the whole nation. We need to listen to the grievances in the middle of America that was angry enough to elect Donald Trump and turn them away from the Republican establishment. The true progressives know that the decaying corpse of the Democratic Party establishment will never distance itself from its donor base. The Bernie Sanders supporters don't have a true home in a party where a highly qualified Muslim man was denied the job to protect the interests of big money donors. I say, tear them both down. This is the opportunity to start a new party. I want to call it the Liberty Party. Why? You have libertarians and liberals, practically the same word. And they're on opposite ends of the spectrum, right? So let's just say that this is for liberty of the American people, the American populace. This party refuses to be owned by corporate donors and is instead owned by and run by the American people of the United States of America. That's redundant. (laughs) The people of the United States of America. As soon as it's set up, Wall Street will shake in its boots. Both parties will cry that this is the fracturing of America. Imagine it. The, Democrat, the establishment Democrats don't want this. The Republican Democrats don't want this. That's why it hasn't been set up yet. We need to not listen to them. We have to tell them, no, you had your time. The two-party system is broken. It's obviously broken because we have this right now. We're living through it. It's time to deconstruct it, starting with a jackhammer. Break it down. Break it down and rebuild it better than before. I think we're in the middle of an opportunity right now. I don't think it gets any better than right now. It's going to be really hard. Over the last eight years, we weren't thinking third party behind Barack Obama. He was doing the best he can in a fractured system that was so vitriolic, especially with Congress, the Republican holding Congress. He couldn't get as as many things as he wanted done. Now, it's a complete mess. It's time for a revolution. And I'm not talking about a violent revolution, a political revolution, where we say the Democrats have it wrong, the Republicans have it wrong. There has to be another option. 
and I'd like to get your idea on that. I don't think a party that distances itself from corporate owners and lobbyists could lose. I think that, in general, the middle class in this country has been pulverized, pulverized by corporations. And they've had it. This is why we're, we're in the situation we're in. If you set up a party that speaks to the middle of this country, as well as the coast, as well as progressive, as well as conservatives, a moderate, maybe leaning left in some issues, maybe leaning right in some other issues, we have an idyllic party that could change what's going on in Washington because it's all broken. Your, your, your government has let you down. It's time to start over. It's time to start anew. Call for revolution. Thanks for listening. Let me know what you thought. Uh, go ahead and leave us a review. Share it if you like. And thanks for listening. Bye-bye now.